Playing music of the soul is not for the faint of heart. To lose yourself and see yourself from the outside looking in. Not being worried about being micromanaged. Playing free and escaping whatever's going on in your life. How hard is that? It can be very hard unless you consistently surround yourself with people who never put themselves above the music. Learning to converse improvisationally and going off into space is not something that every musician can contribute all the time. At this point, regional touring exists, but a concerted effort must be made to reopen a touring circuit that can crisscross the country. Cats need to sing for their supper and support their families through their craft. People who think that this is naive need to recognize that they are part of the problem and not the solution. There's been a huge amount of post-traumatic pandemic disorder, and with good reason, but now it is on us as a collective to raise frequencies to liberate cats who have become accustomed to the fear-mongering and doomsday scenarios cast upon us relentlessly by our corporate media structure. As I write this, institutions and norms are crumbling, leaders are too old, hanging on and not passing on the lineage of leadership to the new generation as they used to. As seekers, we must identify new leaders, leaders who make others aware of their habitual nature and motivate them to cultivate their true nature, leaders who radiate their light and aura back to those who look up to them, leaders who exude grace even in the face of frustration, pain, and injustice. Cole Bronson, welcome to The Jake Feinberg Show. It's good to be here, man. You know, man, you really blew my mind at Tree Ford Festival um, because essentially that outfit, uh, Cosmic Sands, I mean, it's it's a it's a you know country psych folk outfit, amazing players. But I was telling some cats, I maybe even told you, like your ability to, I don't know, sort of play polyrhythmically through that music really made it very danceable, at least for me. And I I kind of wanted you to just talk about your concept of time and more specifically, like, do you feel that it's your responsibility to keep time for other people? Or do you think everybody should have their own inner time feel so that you as the drummer can go off and paint on your own? I feel like it's uh, it's everyone in, in, in the project's responsibility to keep to keep time to some degree. I feel like there's certain, you know, it depends on what the music calls for. I feel like there's times where the rhythm section needs to hold it down because that gives other players in the outfit the freedom to, you know, express themselves. But sometimes, you know, the rhythm section needs that freedom as well. You know what I mean? And giving ourselves that freedom can open up opportunities for other members in the band, you know, to explore maybe rhythmic avenues that they that weren't, there absolutely 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 for sure i mean uh, i mean when you when you uh, i I guess going back to your earliest you know memories of being in bands and stuff but i mean i just remember interviewing this cat blue lou marini this great sax player and he was talking about being at the um, kennedy center the tribute to herbie hancock and again we're talking about stone genius improvisational jazz musicians i even though i hate labels it's not rock music or things like that but he was watching jack d play with uh gary peacock and Ch- chick korea right. and he he was just like jack was not concerned about keeping time for other people he felt like everybody should have that ingrained in them so that he can go off and i i just feel like I wonder how you learn to uh, be part of the conversation on the drums because you see some cats and, you know, just because maybe they're insecure, they just haven't had a lot of bandstand experience or they really believe that their job is to hold it down for everybody else when, in fact, to me, new vocabulary can grow if you can free up the rhythm section. Can you just talk about how you've evolved as a, as a painter on the kit? Yeah, well, um, I it's it's the only instrument that I practice really. You know what I mean? It's like the only way I, you know, since since I started playing music, it's really been the only instrument that I've put a lot of time into. You know what I mean? And I feel like I felt limited when I started playing because drums are, you know, so widely regarded as a timekeeping exactly you know, instrument and. 
I wanted to express myself melodically. And I, you know, I had the opportunity to play with you know, a lot of cats. And, you know, in Missoula, it's, we have a lot of freedom because the scene is so small to really experiment. And I think people, you know, in the arts community here gravitate towards experimental music. So, you know, I, I played in bands, um, a couple of bands that, you know, we had very loose, you know, almost, oh, I don't want to call us like a, a jazz band or anything, but like we kind of operated, we had like heads or like loose riffs that we would play off of. Oh, I love and, this. This um, is what I'm talking about, dude. Go ahead. <laughs> keep going, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we had, you know, pretty loose things to keep us cemented. And then we kind of just gave ourselves the freedom to to mess around, you know, and I think I learned a lot from that. You know, I, I definitely played, I played way more live than I have in like a studio setting. You know what I mean? Thank God, you know, cause I, <laughs> the stu- you know, I mean, just talk for a minute about, I mean, you guys really, it was so invigorating being in Tucson uh, to come up to Boise to, I mean, I haven't been to a festival in a hot minute in a long time and to see cats from, Seattle, Portland, Logan, Utah, you guys from Missoula, it was like, I don't know, man, it just raised my heart vibration so much because you see how many people are, you know, I mean, I just, there, it it struck me that that band, uh, Cosmic Sands, you know, there's so much more room and for growth because everybody, I mean, I, I, most importantly, the rhythm section seems to have a pretty large vocabulary of music, you know, and it's exciting in that sense. I wonder if you think about, I mean, when I said in my intro about, um, you know, lack of touring circuits, lack of consistent touring, how, how are you dealing with that right now? And is that something that you, like, would you like to be road dogging much harder than you are right now? I think we, we would all like to, you know, it's, it's partly because um, we have members in our outfit that are still racking up, you know, school and stuff. Sure. So we're kind of planted. We don't have as much freedom as we do, you know, in the summer and stuff. But um, we're, we, you know, we do as much as we can. We try to gig out as much as we can in the region. You know what I mean? Um, it can be a little bit stifling. It's it's hard to get gigs sometimes. You know, in the mountain region. You know, it's like. Places to play are pretty few and far in between. You know, Montana's a very spread out state. And, uh, Do you find yourself going like, what is like a, a regional tour when you guys are freed up? I mean, are you doing Vancouver? Are you going to Canada? Are you just staying in the state of Montana? Can you talk about, I mean, to me, like regional touring in that part of the country is is really not in my, it, it's kind of out of my bag. Yeah, it's, it's mostly the Pacific Northwest. We haven't had a chance really to, to, to put in, you know, weeks into a tour yet you know we're planning on it we're planning on getting down to california and stuff um but it's mostly you know washington like olympia seattle portland um you know we played a gig in coeur d'alene last year oh, i love it Wait, what so like in portland what what kind of venue are you playing at i mean what what, what was the uh you know like my my friends mapache who were who were in uh boise um you know, they play like the Wonder Ballroom uh, in Portland. I'm just wondering, like, I, you know, it is like I just I I'm so dedicated. Twelve years in, Cole, to like just like do everything I possibly can to you know at least get people to to philanthropically maybe just cough up money t- so that cats can play live. I it, to me, it's the only way that you can really raise the vibration is through sound through conversation you know and i just wonder you know and it's like so like in, what what kind of venues have you played like seattle and portland those places um we played the central saloon in seattle we played um the, the crypto cryptotropa bar i think in, in olympia wow. it, you know it's, it's mostly like bar, bar venues i feel like the scene is pretty insular in some in some places you know what i mean it's really hard oh. to break through especially you know nobody takes you know missoula montana health seriously if you haven't heard us you know what I mean? like, <laughs> no, no i take you, you guys know, very seriously dude there's a serious swag it was like so such a different vibe man <laughs> it was so i mean it was snowing anyway i do you know <laughs> um <clears throat> I, you know did you ever get to i remember uh talking to uh I did an interview with Joe Russo from uh, 
you know, J-Rad and almost, yeah, incredible drummer from my peer group. And he talked about being on a trip, uh, on a tour with a band called Fat Mama, and they were in a sports bar, and nobody in there could cared, they could have cared less whether they were playing or not. And, you know, he could have, you know, been caught up in, you know, all this over-talking and people were, you know, could care less about the music. But it actually came to a point where, because he felt so liberated, because there wasn't anybody really paying attention, he said he stopped playing in fear. He stopped playing with any worry. He just started to be free himself. Was there a demarcation point for you when... I know you're much young, you're younger than him and, you know, you're just kind of getting your career rolled out. But do you believe that there was, can you point to a time when you sort of just said, dude, I am going to, I'm throwing the rule book out and I'm just going to, I'm just going to let the body dance. Yeah, man. Well, I've, you know, like I said, I've played in pretty loose improvisational groups before. And, you know, sometimes that stuff hits and sometimes it really doesn't. Right. So I've, I've definitely played gigs no, it wasn't working. And I guess when I'm on stage, I just remember that it can never be as bad as that. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I really do. I think the more you free yourself up, the easier it is to express. You know what I mean? So, you know, you know, I, I took a couple lessons from this this guy John Wicks. Um, he's a drummer for Pits and the Tramp Tantrums. Briefly, he's mm. like LA session, mm-hmm. and uh, he said. Any day, I'd rather hear someone play loose than play a tie. I don't care if you're throwing sticks. You know, I don't care if you're not perfectly in time. You're just going to sound better if you play loose. No one exactly, wants to hear dude. Tie, it's so exactly, dude. It's exactly the – yes. Exa- but, I mean, can you talk to younger cats about – I don't even know if it was just, like, a drag or whether you actually just, like, sort of – I just feel like in order to go over the edge, you have to fall fall on your face a little bit. I know I did for – you know, that – you know, and like I, it, to me, like I sent you that Jack Dejanet interview. I did that eleven years ago. I didn't even have my, I didn't know what I was, like I knew what I wanted to say, but I was too insecure. Those guys helped me find my voice. I mean, can you point to a specific time where you, you look back on it and you're like, boy, that was so, that was a total clam job, but it was actually so important and for you as a player because you know you learned a lot through failure. Yeah, and um, I had we had gig that was organized in uh, one of the most prominent bands in town at the time uh this band called fertile crescent uh we put a gig with them and we closed because it was our gig and uh man we we played everybody out of the room nobody wanted <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean and that, i think that was they were heading for the exits yeah, they were headed for the X. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a it was a rough time. It was a rough. Time. And is that 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 be the, the the just because no everybody was kind of talking over each other band wise or like was it just not meshing or what was the uh... yeah it was just it was just not clicking you know it, it, at the time I think there was frustrations between um, two of the members in the band and it was kind of getting let out on stage we, we were just a little bit too loose you know we weren't we weren't tight you sure. know what I mean it, it wasn't working you know on stage but i think getting up after that you know that was definitely like rock bottom playing a gig you know i had that feeling you know where you never want to play again after that and getting up and getting back on the horse and you know a few years later getting i, I played in this band called poor me for a little bit there another local missoula group and i think that kind of helped me get back on my feet playing with players that were established um and they would teach me musical vocabulary and i just felt like a big growth spurt after hitting that bottom you know what i mean absolutely well there's nowhere to go but up once you've hit the bottom (laughs) you know i mean and you know like that's the thing the bottom of the pit is actually the best place to be because that's where realism is activated and then but you but i think also what i'm hearing is did you seek out better older players or just organically that sort of happened after that i think it was it was it was very organic you know we have like I said, it's a college town, so a lot of players in town kind of grow out of it in a way. Absolutely, and, you know, a lot yeah. Of, a lot of musicians kind of leave and projects are left kind of stranded. So there's a lot of room for people to move around and shuffle. And I was just in the right place at the right time, I guess. That's how I actually got started with uh, Cosmic Sands. Is the drummer ended up going to a musical conservatory in the Netherlands, and they needed a piece to slide in and... 
that's how it ended. I mean, it, it it was just the most. It was I saw so much great music, and you guys were right there. I mean, it's just like it was just. Can you talk about in from your own upbringing? I mean, did you learn to hear music before you learned to read it, or you know? And what I'm saying is. The cats, the majority of the cats that I've interviewed, uh, my elders, I mean, they were, some were autodidacts, most of them learned by ear, some of them never learned to read music, and what's happening today in the academy, obviously it was so beautiful because none of you, even if you guys had um, academic training, all of you were, you know, just sort of playing as if your life depended on it, but a lot of cats that are in the academy today, um, they're learning to read music before they learn to hear music, and as a result, their ears are locked. And yeah, I think that's... I, oh, so I want you to talk about that, your own experience, because if you grew up hearing it, then your ears are huge. Right, and I, I'm, you know, I've never had, you know, I've had two drum lessons probably, I think, in my life, you know. And I, I love I, this, dude. This is unbelievable, dude. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, man. Sick. I'm almost completely self-taught, and uh, mm. so... It, listening and playing back is how I've learned almost everything. And I, I, that's been essential to my progress. I think that's like a really stifling way to like approach music is only play what's written. Cause you know, you can't put any of yourself in the sheet music, you know, it's all there for you. Right. I mean, it's like, it's definitely a great tool to learn and transcribe and know exactly what, you know, you're playing or what other people are playing or whatever. But I, you know, that doesn't, apply in a rock and roll setting or you know a jazz setting where you need to be spontaneous and you need to move with i my the bass player lane olberg and sands absolutely you know you need to be an active participant in time to play it this is what i did this is what i'm talking because there is no tiktok time on the bandstand to me um, can you talk about some of this self-taught? I mean, aside from aside from records and listening, again, you can transcribe an Elvin Jones solo. It's not going to feel like Elvin. It's just not going to feel that way. You can go and do that stuff, but outside of like putting down the needle and pre- playing to records, can you talk about some of the things you did uh, early on to sort of get yourself? Uh, I don't know, just ready to be on the bandstand. I, to me, I just feel like a lot of cats, um, you know, they might make, they might be making good dough in a classical orchestra, but I don't know if they're really happy or at peace with themselves because at a certain point you just, to me, in my point of view, you got to just say, I'm done taking a directive from a conductor. I'm just going to play without being, without wanking it. You know, were there other cats that you were able to play, you know, games, musical games with? I mean, can you talk just to younger cats about how you freed yourself from this? I don't think you even had this problem, but the problem is now musical vocabulary is being made in the in the academy, and I don't really think that's even possible. So I just wonder how you, how you the kinds of things you did to, to become a self-taught, ridiculous fusion drummer. <laughs> thank you man um yeah i mean it's 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 all music you know i like take bits and pieces i'll hear a lick or whatever and i'll just try to practice that and incorporate that in my playing you know what i mean and do it until it sounds like me or whatever i can only play the way i play you know that's the thing like that's a lot of cats in the academy are taught to play like other people that's right that's exactly right is derivative of that and i guess it's 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 similar you know what i mean it's like i have my favorite drummers and my style is definitely derivative of that but you know my licks are are my licks like i definitely have the things that i go back to and a lot of them are you know just a mash of of other people's licks that i've kind of created (laughs) absolutely no that's the whole point is that everybody has everybody has uh, influences and then it's a matter of like taking all that and and, like what do you have to say for yourself you know and i just exactly you know i don't know if you've listened to you know lewis hayes who is the drummer for cannonball and just like still doing it today he's just unbelievable like roy haynes still doing it today you know and like 
Lewis Hayes in our interview, he was like, you know, he's he was just like when he he for so many years he was with Cannon and they were playing, you know, jazz, blues, crossover, but nobody told him what to play. And he was like to me, he's like, nobody ever told me what to play. I wouldn't tell the saxophone player what to play, so don't tell me what to play. Then he got with Oscar Peterson and <clears throat> and Ray Brown, or maybe Ed Thigpen. No, yeah, it was uh, Ray Brown. And, and the music was a little more sophisticated, and it was a big challenge for him because he wanted to play well, but it was also the first time that he really sort of had to surrender to the music. I just wonder, like, the kind of groups that you're in, does anybody really have to tell you what to play? Or are you kind of playing? Again, it goes back to these, somehow these roles that people have put. Like, I look at your rhythm section in that group. Uh, Cos- you know, and whether or not, I don't know, you know, I thought the lead singer, Jake, was great. You know, but I, to me, like, you guys could be, you guys could take that off in completely different directions, which is very scary for a lot of bands. <laughs> but the bet my favorite music is like that. I, has have you ever dealt with people sort of micromanaging you, or have you basically entered into outfits that that they're not going to tell you what to play? You know, it it, it really I feel like it depends on the music. Uh, sometimes you know, Jake is the the main songwriter for for the outfit so sure. he'll have like an idea of the way he wants the groove to feel or the groove to swing or whatever and i try my best to accommodate that and still be able to put myself in it and i think we're, we're pretty blessed to have like a really eclectic group you know what i mean dude like, it is the most eclectic like it's insane dude guy. I think it's in Seamus. Seamus is out of his mind, dude. The guy's plugged in like voltage. I don't even know what's going on. And then <laughs> that guy, Billy, on, I mean, th- th- it was just bringing smoke. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, you're yeah. good. You're good. Yeah. yeah, we all just come from a very diverse musical background. And we never really tried. I think our, our biggest thing is we never really tried to do one thing. In fact, in fact we try our, our best to have every song sound a little bit different. I or love be it. like mm. a fusion of different genre of music. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, and that may, that leads into the idea of as you move down the line, uh, when you play sort of genreless or you're all in different bags, it's then it's like this incessant need to brand you in order to find tours for you or what kind of music do you play? And I just am like, why can't we just go back to the, the Duke Ellington school where it's all music, you know? Um, right. It's hard. They want to pigeonhole you. I actually feel like that's maybe what I was trying to say with the rhythm section is that what's beautiful about Cosmic Sands is that because of the verbose rhythm section, uh, you guys aren't faking it, but it's really hard. You can't pigeonhole you guys, you know? Where the more straight straight up and down rhythm section, I think it would be very pigeonholed. It would be just like... He'll, it would be like, you know, honky-tonk, uh, rockabilly kind of stuff. But that is not right. what it is, man. Right, right, man. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I just think, you know, it's we're, we're just really lucky to have each other. You know what I Absolutely, mean? Absolutely, man. How did you, you – know, I mean, like, how did you, Cole Bronson, wind up in Missoula? Um, I originally went here for school. I was a creative writing major for a couple of years, and uh, I got really caught up. My the house I was living in at the time became a pretty, a ridiculously prolific house show venue. We we're having shows like three. Oh like, my three, god! Get me up there! I needed to get up there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was short lived. You know that's I, I, that's kind of how things work here. Is you know one spot blows the fuck up, and everyone is trying to get gigs there, and then you know it blows. You know, it's like a, you know. So there's really, the, 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 the truth is there's there's just not enough venues to play at. And so when yes. something hits up, it goes, it, it catches fire. It goes crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I was in, I was in that, that kind of a, that was my living situation. And I was just so caught up in it. You know, it's exactly what I wanted to be doing. And I was, you know, a punk band at the time and we were getting regular gigs. And um, I just don't wanted to put the school thing on hold there's no way i was going to do both you know and be successful like if i wanted to do the university thing i wanted to do it completely and that's not where I, what i wanted to do at the time and i haven't really stopped since you know i've just been 
I think it's beautiful, uh, man. I mean, you can't. But I mean, that, to me, it's like. I don't know. Education is wasted on the youth. So if at some point you have to go back and that's perfect. I mean, to me, like you have to go and go for it now if that's what's what's calling you. Um, so <clears throat> you would say that um, do you feel like in some ways that creative writing process translates over to the colors that can be created in music, is there a correlation between writing and, and rhythm? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's it's you know it, it's it, there's definitely a correlation because you know hip hop is an art form. You, you know, rap is the intersection. That's you know? right. And I, I'm a huge, huge fan of hip hop music, and um, you know, a lot a lot of what I learned in my creative writing courses is that sound is probably the most important you know, in form. It's like the words have to sound good together. You know, you can put gibberish as long as the words sound great together. There's something <laughs> profound about it. Absolutely, I mean? that's Jake Feinberg at, at the core. Gib- <laughs> gibberish bl- stumbling into grace, you know? Right, yeah. right. <clears throat> and so, yeah, I, mean, you know, I think there's like a correlation between all all the creative mediums. To me, you know what I mean? It's taking raw materials, words, paints, instruments, and uh, you know, trying to create something profound with those with those raw materials. You say the same thing about being in the kitchen. You know, you have all these ingredients. You got to put them together to make something. You know, it's funny. I, 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 I uh, yeah. No, I, I wish I had more patience for cooking. I love the, all the musicians love to cook. You know, because they can just like, um, you know, I want to. I'm. I got to tip my cap to the Missouli in here. Please tell me about this Rob Travolta. And this landscapes and soundscapes band because this really you check that out. Well, if this, I mean, I didn't check out. I I didn't even need to check out the music because I know that I'd want to see you guys play live because this is where my that's where Jake Feinberg lives. Is this right. idea of like? Are you guys? Can you just talk a little bit? Like, are you just basically reacting to sounds? Can you talk about how? the form of the songs come together because this is not uh singer songwriter stuff this is just space and time yes um that is all all the songs are written um by rob rob cave um you got to hook me up with both of those cats by the way both of those i got to get to both of those cats the synthesizer player too unbelievable oh Oh, my god carter man unreal he's a he's 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 a beast man and uh yeah dude it's it's all just reactionary. I think that's that's probably w- one of the biggest reasons why I play the way I do is because I've been with Rob for about three or four years. And, you know, I'll just play the most ridiculous stuff that just, I'm just trying to keep up. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's very much reactionary. And all the drum parts are written in reaction. You know, he'll just start playing. I'll like it. I just try to keep up. And it solidifies over time with repetition. And, so basically... Like you would say that <clears throat> when you first started, you guys would sort of get some sort of theme going and then record it, and then once you, then you could practice that over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Rob will he, he loves to record videos of himself playing, or he'll record a stem of himself <laughs> yeah, playing. And, yeah, you know, I just kind of like marinate in it, or you know, we'll be you know practicing for a gig, and he'll just like whip out a new idea and just. We just kind of sit in there and listen to it for a second. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know. It's 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 a really organic writing process with Rob. I think it's you know we've just been playing together for for quite a minute. You know, so I mean, what? How many? I mean, because I need that band on the road immediately. I need the I <laughs> I need gigs with that band immediately, dude. And I just don't know if it's even uh, you know the amount of. <laughs> Anyway, I, I uh, you know, what I was going to ask you about is if you could talk about a time in your life when you realized that, um, I think one of the things I felt about you right away was just, um, even as a young cat, I mean, you know, some of the older musicians, uh, not that I've necessarily interviewed, but some of them who've had a, a lot of commercial success, or they've just been very wealthy, had a lot of fame, uh, and as they get older, 
um, they get more resentful and bitter, the phone stops ringing, because they really felt that they were completely responsible for the information coming through them, when in fact they're merely a vessel or a conduit for information coming through them from the heavens. Like you could say, you know, it's one of those like Socratic kind of things where, you know, you get off the bandstand and people are like, how did you do that? And you're just like, I have no idea. It just came through me. And I just wanted you to talk about that time early on. It could be any time when you kind of were like, wow, man, I am a conduit for information coming through me from the heavens. You know, I can't really put my finger on a specific time, um, but I definitely do feel that we we are all, you know, we're just products of what inspires us and products of the things that like inspired the thing that inspired us. It just goes all the way back, right? You right. Know what I mean, right, the lineage. It's, like, it's the lineage. Absolutely. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's a you know it's a giant family tree of, mm. of inspiration. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just a giant. It's a giant wave. I guess. You know what I mean? That no really one person can say that. Oh, this. You know, I created this. Right. You know, it's like we, we all. There's no one person that didn't have an inspiration or couldn't look to someone and be like, oh, that's the reason why I'm doing this, you know? How have you, I, I guess maybe, maybe from the psychological point of view, like, have you, how have you, like, maybe you've never dealt with this, but I just feel that, the, how have you learned to get out of your own way? How have you learned to keep your ego in check? Because, I mean, I just remember this cat from the Sons of Champlin, Terry Haggerty, he's like, you must know what you don't know. You must surrender to that because, you know, there's just no way. And I mean, I mean these guys, this, the band that Terry was in, I mean, those guys were back in the late 60s. They were the most sophisticated band to come out of that hippie scene. They were not hippies. They were real players, but they were doing LSD. And, you know, people would come on and be like, how did you play that? And he's like, I don't know. It just ha- it just came through <laughs> me. Like, how did, I mean, <laughs> can you just talk about how you've learned? Um to get out of your own way and what would be your advice to cats who are really I mean there's nothing worse than cats that are like my brother saw a band I mean it was just so funny they're headlining they're like a Boise band it's like Saturday I don't even know what the name of it was and he just said they were just like so full of themselves and the music just sounded like shit you know it was just like and there's nothing worse than cats that like are really believing that they are fully responsible for the information that they're giving out the only cats I respond to are the ones that are are flowing with the with that vessel. So even if you if, if that's always been a natural for you, I mean, can you talk to younger cats about how they can get out of their own way and surrender to the process of being partially responsible for the music? Yeah, man, it's like it's a never ending battle. You know, it's like I it I'm is a battle. Still, yeah, I'm still learning to do less you know what i mean right. I, I don't remember who said it but i remember someone saying that you know something along along the lines of it's like putting too much hum, like of yourself in it is going to make it imperfect right like humans are like imperfect creatures absolutely so there's like something about just like kind of letting the spirit or whatever, like, guide you. It's, like, it's all a feeling. Like, we, we've all had that feeling of listening to, you know, an album or a song that, like, lifts us and makes us want to do this. And it's, like, that that's the feeling you're looking for. And there's so many people that can contribute to that feeling. There's no way you can go into it with, like, an individual individualist mindset. You know what I mean? And make profound music you're right though absolutely correct but yet you say so talk about this struggle though why is it a continual struggle because i know everybody's dealing with it you're right you're no you just talked about the ideal situation but even for someone like you there's a longing to say i have you know we live in this frenzied time you still got to sing for your supper you're definitely taking an insecure path you 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 know you're you're gonna you put school on hold being a musician in this time is intense. So what are right. the, is it more about like the, the sort of just the, all the stuff that comes with like just trying to survive and that's where the ego comes in or you talk about that because you're right. 
once the spirit gets involved, once the musicians get out of their thinking mind, all bets are off, and that's when it gets really fun. But yeah. just in general, well, how, what have you learned to do? I mean, do you have like a meditation practice? What do you do in order to get out of your own way? I don't know. I just, I just kind of, I, I, I just love this. You know, I just like love doing this, and I feel like I kind of let the love of it take precedence over whatever satisfaction I get from the recognition or the attention, you know what I mean? Mm. And it's like, mm. I don't know, I think there was like a, a Robert Glasper, you know, Instagram thing where he was talking about cats making a bunch of money and thinking they're hot shit. Right. It's like you're, you're not Herbie, you know, you're not, <laughs> you know, a Jack Dijonette. So if you're not at that level, why, why would you ever think you're never going to, you know, you're not a legend. You know what I mean? None of us. So only so, you know, there's only a handful of people that are monumental musical giants that you can you know, attribute, like, changing the way we listen to music or changing the sound, you know? And if you're not at that level, then why would you ever think, you know? Just because you're making a lot of money. I mean, that's what that, yeah, so that, so what, tell me Cole Bronson's, uh, you can't be more than 25 years old, though. How old are you? I'm actually 27. So you're, you're less than, so at this point in your life, and it'll be interesting to go back and when we do set two, like listening to it, like th what you just talked about is making a lot of money. And that's what, unfortunately, like my daughters and <clears throat> a lot of the younger generations, um, they're consumed with this idea, got to go to college, well, you got to make a lot of money in order to pay off student debt, but just in general, money equals success. But I've been on my journey for 12 years and like a weekend like that in Boise just reinvigorates my, you know, it's rebirth and regeneration. And my definition of success is legacy. You know, what are you going to leave behind for future generations for inspiration? And I don't buy into the, I mean, I, I, you know, I make enough money to pay my bills and get, you know, support my kids. But what is Cole Bronson's definition of success at 27 years old? It's it's momentous to me. I think I think it's it's it happens in the moment. It's it's all you know. Happiness is fleeting, or whatever. That's you so. What I mean? So you're saying in the moment bliss when you're on the bandstand. Yeah, it's yeah, that's great. it. That's what it is. You know, it's like when you're playing and you're feeling it, and other people are feeling it. That's that's what it is. You <sighs> know what I mean? It doesn't matter if. I'm playing to five people. It doesn't matter if I'm playing, you know, hundreds of people. It's it's the feeling that you get when you're doing the thing that inspires <laughs> you. You know, that's the other thing. I don't know. That's, Dude, that's I did. Listen, is. man. I never, I never used to bring the the fanat fanatical attitude to the bandstand. I used to sit there, maybe get tired, applaud, even if I didn't like the song. Now it's just like. I'm like, I want to feel that. I want to be part of raising that collective consciousness. That's why I like to bring that energy to the bandstand. I think it's so integral to the ability to get to that space where you're at. Otherwise, musicians, I mean, yeah, most a lot of musicians say they played their best gigs in front of three people. But still, I just feel like the ability to raise collective consciousness. And Do you believe that, that uh, for you, uh, music is a healing force in your life? Oh, dude, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, it's. it's Let me ask you though, like, 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 how hard is it for for you or for the band, for instance? Like, you know, I'm. I just came back. I'm like drowning in content, as you know. I've been blowing videos out of you and everybody else, but it's been great. It's been great, dude. Honestly, it's just, but, but, so I have all these contacts, all these new interviews. I mean, it was I didn't. It was way beyond my expectations, but to play one gig, have and have a ball. How hard is it, like, to stay sta mentally stable? Because I just would want to at least, I'd just be horny to play, you know? And I just wonder how you guys deal with that as a collective, because that is, like, to me, that's the roller coaster of music. But for me, with my psyche, I, that would be hard for me, just to play one-offs and not have to get, you know, because you talk about momentous, in-the-moment bliss, but then the other thing is momentum, meaning gigs, playing a lot because you go on the road for two weeks or three weeks and all of a sudden 
some of the songs take on a life of their own. So how I mean, how do you guys come down and deal with not being on the bandstand? I mean, it's it's tough. I think we just you know we just look forward to the next time we can get out there, and we try to sharpen you know hone our skills so that when we get out, we can play better than the last time, and we can feel that feeling again. You know, we do, we do, we really want to push it. I think. Dude, it's no. I want to. This is the other thing. Yeah. But I, I, when you say hone your skills, you don't strike your band does not strike me as you know that R word is a dirty word. That R word being rehearsal, I think that's a <laughs> dirty word. So sharpening your skills to me means just playing gigs, playing maybe not even not playing the. You guys, you, you guys don't suck all the soul out of the music. I mean, you basically get on the bandstand and burn, or, or do you guys do any rehearsal at all? Um, we, you know, we, our bass player is, uh, lives two hours away in Helena. So when he's in town, we try to, we try to get it together, but it's mostly, I feel like it's a a big part of it is just having a good relationship with your instrument. You know what I mean? Totally dude. And just being comfortable enough that when you're put in to musical situations, it can, you, you can let it flow. You know what I mean? You're not fighting anything. And that's, that's, that's the never ending battle to me that's dude it, i mean but you don't well i mean with that band you're pretty you didn't look like you were fighting it at all that day it was cold but <laughs> but i mean it was were, was that drum was is that is that song naturally have a drum solo or was that totally in the moment just they let you go off no no that that that's a that's a part that's written that's freaking great well no i mean the drum solo was not written though that was unbelievable no, dude, no. that was it's unreal every time that like melt that blew my brain open, dude. That was the greatest thing I ever, you know, because rhythm is that's the only thing that's healing for me now, man. You know, Butcher Brown was unreal, man. Like, they're one of my favorite bands. I wasn't. I mean, dude. I mean, just the rhythm and the pulse and the and the funk and the tension and release. I mean, hip hop. I'm cool with it. I love. I'm, it's not my go to stuff, but you know, I admire the poetry. But man, man. I mean, I just wish more cats. Uh, recognized how valuable rhythm is to the healing of the psyche because I just feel like we, if we appreciate, you know, you go to, you go to Europe, you go to Japan. I mean, in so many ways, the music that we love or you know the, that that stretched out music and stretching out. I mean, it's always consumed and monetized in 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 uh, Europe and and Japan, but it's never looked at like that in the United States. A lot of the cats live here. Ron Carter lives here, but he, they gig a lot overseas, you know? And it's just, I, I, I it's, it's one of those things where I just, I, I do you f- feel like your generation and younger, not just have an appreciation for the music, but do you feel, you can just speak for yourself. Do you feel that society, and I know you've been in Missoula, which is a little bit of a, a bubble, college town. It's, 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 it's isolated. It is. It's a little bit off the grid. But, I mean, do you believe that our society still sees a musician as a viable profession? Or do you think that people still see a musician, uh, music as a musician's gift to the world? So, you know, you can play for, you can pay to play or you can play for the door. That's the kind of stuff that, like really bothers me and i just i wonder how you feel or how your generation generally looks at it um because you know just being on the on the on the trip with mapache i mean you know you go they go backstage they're trying to order food before the show the guy's like nah, it's too late oh by the way do you guys want alcohol if you do then we're going to take it out of the, your cut for the night it's like what is this shit it's shame man it's it's you know i think it's like it got a lot to do with streaming to me interesting talk about that talk about that part of it yeah talk about that well you know i just feel like spotify and a devalued music you can pay ten dollars a month to be able to listen to almost anything you want and i feel like that's reflected in the way people perceive the value of music you know what i mean it's like air it's easy as breathing air you know you can go on youtube and listen to anything you want for free you know what I mean? Absolutely right. No, they, so you, they, it's like almost, what I'm saying is they, they look at music as you're giving it away. Yeah. Even it's though it's absolutely unquantifiably valuable. That's the problem. You know, it's so unquantifiable. Everyone wants to quant- quantify stuff. That's part of what 
these insane streaming sites are about, how many numbers, but even if you get 14,000 downloads, you're getting like six bucks as a music, you know, it's ridiculous. The only people who are making money off that, you know, is like Drake and, you know, Megan the Sally. And <laughs> Beyonce and yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. So what is, what, 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 aside from just being called to play the music, what are those places that you see as you move forward, assuming you don't go back and get your degree right away, where do you see opportunities to make it as a, as a, as a in, independent creative artist, musician? Well, unfortunately, I feel like it's it's it, it you know it's becoming more like of a of a content thing. I feel like I you know I know a couple of people who are very very much leaning into the content creator aspect of it. Right, and I feel right. Like that's it's like diminishing the importance of like preparation and practice to me, like. I don't know if I'm answering your question or not. Dude, the, the point is, the, the point, the, the Jake Feinberg show, you just take the, whatever, there's not even questions. You just go on the, your own tangent, dude. Just go where you want to go. Word. Um, yeah. yeah, man, I, I feel like a lot of people are posting practice, which is good, it's healthy, especially, you know, if they're great players and you can see the process. Um, but, and call, calling that, you know, a performance, you know what I mean? Or like, and I feel like it's, it's more important to advertise yourself nowadays than it is to really put out a product that's meaningful. You're, you nailed it, dude. And that always has to do with the, Aretha Franklin had to clear a bar at Atlantic to get a record out. So there were standards to actually get music published and out into the world. And you also had guys like me, uh, A&R guys, uh, people that love music who were making those calls, the bean counters had really, they, they were making money, but they weren't involved in the creative process. But you're talking now about <coughs> musicians. I think artists in general, it's just really hard because you have to wear eight hats in the past. You know, Joni, you know, you go out and on tour and lose money and the record company would write it off because they made so much on vinyl. And so, it, you know, I, the, the, the thing is, so tell me about other, so how do you sing for your supper? You're not in school. So, I mean, like, what are the areas that you can still, I mean, are you teaching? Is it just, do you have a bunch, I mean, how many times a week are you playing? What are the areas where you know you're going to be treated with respect as a musician, as a profession? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. There's, there's certain places certain venues in town that treat us really well um pay us really well you want to give a shout out to them yeah man free free cycles free cycles missoula free cycles fantastic yeah yeah they, we all, they always treat us super well um straight up always a great turnout always a great time um that's like that's like one of the few i feel like you know Venues in Missoula, you know, there's kind of a chokehold on the arts community at, at the moment, and it's kind of been that way. So. Explain, explain. Well, no, first of all, I want to. This is really. I can't believe you just said that because I just feel like in general, there's been a chokehold on on spirit uh, across the, everything. But what do you mean? It, it, like it's actually this is a conscious thing going on. Yeah, man. There's, there's, you know, there's kind of a, and has been. A monopoly on the payment um, industry or whatever locally. Yeah, uh, there's this one like log jam productions, or they they have three or four prominent venues. Three like the Wilma Top Hat Kettle House Amphitheater, and they kind of have controlled the kind of music, like the types of music that come through. Um, also, how often people get booked they, they very rarely you know even back in the day booked local cats and now it's they, they, they really never do oh my god you see this is what it's the corporatization of it all you know it's, that that's terrible that makes me okay that's the reality though it is jesus man that's yeah so they they bring in and because they just want to meet the bottom line i mean that was revelatory to me is that <clears throat> just speaking to my guys in Mapache, you know, they sort of went out on the road in 21 knowing there was no money 
the bars and clubs are still broken. I'm not talking about Missoula. I'm just talking across the country. I mean, when you <coughs> basically are hemorrhaging and have no get no music for two and a half years or something, um, they, they, they can't afford to pay the musicians. I guess last year there was a little bit more money and now it's slowly coming back. But, and those are the independent venues, not the ones that are corporatized, like the ones you're talking about that right. are like, well, we're just going to bring in cats that are just going to put butts in the seats as opposed to the opportunity to say, Hey, you know, let's let, let you know, people may not know this band, but they're going to, they need to dig it. You know, they need to dig this music. I, that to me is what made Bill Graham so successful. And so many of these other promoters who were like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to put the Preservation Hall Jazz Band, Miles Davis, and, uh, you know, uh, Sly and the Family Stone on the same bill. And, you know, maybe maybe the Cats won't necessarily know who the Preservation Hall Jazz Band is, but I want them to dig it. They need to be exposed to stuff. And that seems like the chokehold, where they don't want new stuff because new stuff means you're not going to meet your bottom line. And that's yeah. what it's all... It's, it's a risk. It's a risk. Right. People don't want to take risks. You that, know? That's exactly want right. a sure thing. You know what I mean? And the, the sad thing is, you know, risks a lot of times can pay off. Dude, you know what I mean? that's the only thing that pays off. <laughs> it is. The sure thing, I'm going to be sleeping, dude, in this first set. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous, dude. So, um, do you guys sort of get off on the idea of uh, clearly in the Cosmic Sands, I mean, clearly in the in the Travolta band, I, that's that's not an issue, but... In the Cosmic Sands band, do you ever play the same song the same way once, or is it different every time? You know what I mean by that? Like, the Grateful Dead, like, I mean, like, you know what I mean by when I say that? Like, the idea that, like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, we, I feel like back in the day, we were a little bit more loose with it. I feel like we've been trying to get more and more concise with it, just because we have, you know, more material. And we're trying to fit, you know, a certain amount of material into a certain, like, you know, time slot or whatever. Well, that, again, then you're being hemorrhaged, you're being, cor- you know, cornered by the time fact. No, but, I mean, right. I would find, I would just, my only advice, and I didn't feel it was, what I'm talking about with the playing it safe bullshit is that when you bring those cats in, most of, most of those bands are just playing formula trip music. They're playing the same set every night. It's right. just the same songs, and I wind up staring at the wall. And like, <laughs> and like, you know, to me, like, if you guys can continue to find a way to be cool enough uh, in the in the moment to be loose and greasy, that's what's going to keep it really fun. Uh, sure. Too much refinement. Again, who, who am I, you know, all I'm saying is, I went over the edge and started the Jake Feinberg show, and you know, you're just getting hip to it, but it's just sort of like. I have figured out a way to cut above the morass of any other broadcaster just because I decided to go out and do stuff based on love and spirit. And, uh, and you know, the money, and actually, you know, it's taken 10, it's 12 years now, but, you know, I'm finally starting to make a little bit of money, but it, 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 it it's going to take a while. I mean, it's just, it's a long, are you ready? Have you prepared yourself for the forever journey in this? Like, I mean, to me, like, you're up for... The long, because it is the forever journey. I mean, it, you know, I mean, you guys want to turn into a, uh, you know, some sort of pop, pop band and play, you know, the same songs every night, and you know, you could probably make some dough. But I, you guys aren't like that, man. I mean, it, to me, to me, it's like you guys are going over the edge, and I just wonder if you're at a point where you are because of the. Another reason I ask is you, you talked about the, the the chokehold on the arts. Um, do you contemplate? going back to the academy right now or are you just five fifth gear ahead with music at this point i don't think there's another way <laughs> right right for, for me i just you know at the moment i just don't get the same fulfillment from anything else you know i don't think there's another way for me at least you know what i mean <laughs> i love exactly it, dude. I <laughs> <laughs> it, it it's a matter of life and death i mean that's that's what uh Reggie Workman would say with Coltrane, it was always like playing as if it was a matter of life and death. And people would say, oh, that's so extreme. But then you had COVID and all of a sudden it all shut down. Right. It was all taken from us. Exactly, man. And so like, you know, before we wrap, Cole, (laughs) one of the L's on my show is 
is love. And so I wanted you to talk a little bit about not just your concept of love, but um, ultimately your parents and, you know, how the, the, the things that they did to, um, if they were supportive of this, this very insecure path of being a creative, free musician. I just would love you to riff on love and your folks. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, my parents have been incredibly supportive with anything I've decided to do with my life. And I chose I chose this path pretty late in my life. You know, I wasn't right. really getting serious about this until, you know, a few years ago. So I feel like that, was, that, that could have been a hard pill for them to swallow. But they've been nothing but supportive. And, you know, it's, I, I feel like no one in my family has, has really, you know, pursued this this path the way i'm doing so any anything that i do they're they're proud of you know what i mean that is freaking that's 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 way my parents are too that's unbelievable so you're saying people for the most part in your family have taken more traditional paths in terms of employment jobs straight straight ahead stuff you're 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 off the deep end though yeah, I'm 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 the black sheep for sure. I love, well no, but the black sheep would indicate that they you know because there's plenty of cats like oh <laughs> like people in the family said well, don't you want to have something to lean back, fall back on or something and it's like I don't need anything to fall back on I got what I need you know um, sure. and it's just great to <clears throat> talk a little bit about your concept of love I mean, we really need something I can just feel um, so, we are really fraying we're falling we've been in a free fall for a while but things are getting pretty intense i can just feel the vibration is so low right now there's so much dysfunction there's so much cognitive dissonance right well how how do you bring love to your world what is your concept of love um i think the first word that comes to mind is like authenticity yeah um sincerity um just just kindness i feel like love is something that you choose every day you choose to love um it's support it's i don't know it's togetherness it's what i saw it's it, it, it's what i saw on the bandstand in boise is is love you know and and, and kindness oh, kindness is good i mean it's yeah, I, there's just something about the power of the collective unit as one living, breathing organism. That's what it's about. It's about everybody breathing and rowing in the same direction. And, you know, in music, it's interesting because, you know, in the corporate world, they are beholden to their shareholders. But musicians really have to surrender, have fun, and give it out to the audience. And, hope at the end of the night you don't get ripped off you know it's just like hope hope, hope you get the dough you know and it's just right. you know and i i just I, I i i'm gonna go on for as long as i can to continue to just get these stories out because you know what man like i've also recognized that like that a lot of my stuff even though it's definitely got its own niche and i've developed a pretty <clears throat> organic fan base um a lot of my stuff uh, will live on long after I left this planet, and your rhythms will as well. And the kind of opportunities to—you you just never know the impact that you're going to have on people playing music. Uh, I don't think you expected that you'd be sitting here doing an interview with Jake Feinberg the week after, uh, you know, Treeford. So the, you, to me, you blew—you really—you really healed me and. Um, I just, one more thing, man, are there any festivals up there? Like, I'd love to come and see you in different outfits or even with the Sands, but I realize now after this weekend that the best place for me to, I mean, I go on the road and tour with my favorite bands, but that gets kind of one dimensional after a while because you're same, you know, you're seeing the same cats every night. You know, it's the, the, the festival thing was just like, I was like, this is out of control. Is there anything coming up this summer that, that, that you can point me to? Um, yeah, every summer, um, in Billings, there's a hardcore festival. And Rob Travolta played it last year, um, called Dry Fest. It's hard, when we say hardcore, that means like it's, it's like a punk festival. Oh boy, that, that's right, go ahead. Right. <laughs> it's 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 it's, ama- it's amazing. I, I I had a wonderful, wonderful time last year, and so many local bands, so many 
people representing Billings and just throwing down. And Would you say, though, that, that, that it's – that it's because I don't see – although I haven't listened to it, but the Travolta band doesn't sound like uh, hardcore. Like hard. it's, it's not – it's not all hardcore, but it's definitely that's that's what the scene is there. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of punk bands. Right, right. What about what about what about the Jake Fine? What 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 about Cosmic? Are you is there any tour planned? I just I'd love to get back up there, especially in the festival setting. Um, maybe stuff will come up on the radar, but um, if there's anything that you know off the top of your head, you let me know. We'll do. Yeah, most definitely. I, I can't think of anything now. I think we are signed up for. Um, a festival. I'm not sure the whereabouts. I know it's late July. I'm gonna have to report back to you. Yo, report back, dude, because I want to know. Because I'm obsessed now with the, that re- Mountain West region. Cole Bronson, man, such a freaking honor to hang, man. And uh, yeah, man, just keep digging the content. I don't. I, I'm kind of running low on content for you guys, but I, I feel like we got it out and. Yeah, dude, you're pumping it out, dude. Rock. We really appreciate it, dude. Any anything, you know, any sort of capturing of us. I mean, well, let me ask you one question. I mean, do you feel like you talk about content creation? I feel like what I'm doing is not what most people are trying. I'm trying to promote other people. I'm not trying to promote myself. I'm not trying to promote practice. I'm trying to drive content so that other people can be inspired. Yeah, no, I think you're doing, what you're doing is, like, I think the most positive way you can, like, use the social media platform, you know? Exactly. It's not, it's not you know, intrinsic at all. You know, it's not, like, inward-focused. It's not. There's nothing, there's no linear quality to it. I mean, there, there's out-of-body screaming. I think a lot of people get turned off by that, but it's just, like... You know, like, it's completely, like, I'm just trying to get people to laugh or be happy. Uh, like, I think that's our divine right, and I think we get lost in the insanity of it. But you guys really made me smile, man. And so I just, you know, carry that with you along the way. Let's stay in touch, and and we'll definitely be cranking again, baby. Hell yeah, man. Thank you so much for this. this yeah, awesome. much love, Cole. Be cool, man. Say hi to the fellas. we Will do. Take care, man. Later. Peace. Peace.